Welcome to the Weird History Podcast. I'm Joe Streckert. This podcast is independent and ad-free because of your listener support. Become a listener supporter by going to weirdhistorypodcast.com. If you were born sometime after 1975, there's a good chance that Alvin Schwartz scared you. Schwartz was a folklorist. He wrote numerous books, over 50 of them, that collected popular stories, rhymes, and songs. Most of them were geared at kids, and most of them actually weren't that scary. One of his books, Cross Your Fingers, Spit in Your Hat, is about superstition, but it's mostly about silly rhymes, games, and that kind of thing. However, what Schwartz is best known for is the series Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It debuted in 1981. Schwartz collected ghost stories, urban legends, dark jokes, and songs about death, and he distilled them into stories that a kid who was about 10, 11, or 12 years old could read in a minute or two. The stories were amazing, and for many readers, it was what got them into horror. There were killer scarecrows, poltergeist, severed heads that fell down chimneys, girls raised by wolves, wendigos, hook-handed killers, and of course... Spiders that lay eggs in your face, only to explode out later. The stories were illustrated by Stephen Gamel, and the images in those books are some of the most haunting things I have ever seen. I couldn't stop looking at them as a kid, and even now, they remain some of my favorite ever horror imagery. When I've talked to other scary stories enthusiasts, there are some fans that contend that it really was Gamble's illustrations that were scary, rather than the stories themselves. A lot of the stories are sort of contrived, they rely on puns or jump scares at the end, and, you know, not really a lot there, but the illustrations, the illustrations are what did it. Now, Gamble's images are the best part of those books, I won't argue that, but I think we need to give Alvin Schwartz credit where it's due. In this show... I want to tell you about how he could scare kids just fine, even without the help of those creepy illustrations. Because one of Alvin Schwartz's most frightening stories didn't appear in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, and it wasn't illustrated by Stephen Gamel. Instead, the story that most of his readers probably remember was in a 1984 story collection called In a Dark, Dark Room and Other Scary Stories. It was a follow-up to 1981's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, where Scary Stories was aimed at middle schoolers in a dark, dark room was aimed at elementary schoolers. The book was for early readers. It was part of HarperCollins' I Can Read series. Specifically, it was a level two I Can Read book, which, according to the publisher's own promotional copy, was aimed at children who can read confidently, but still benefit from help. Other level two I can read books included Amelia Bedelia and Frog and Toad Are Friends. So keep in mind that what I'm about to read to you was aimed at kids who are around six, seven, or eight years old. And if you were a new reader who happened upon this book in your childhood, you might remember the following story very, very clearly. Once there was a girl named Jenny. She was like all the other girls, except for one thing. 
she always wore a green ribbon around her neck. There was a boy named Alfred in her class. Alfred liked Jenny, and Jenny liked Alfred. One day he asked her, Why do you wear that ribbon all the time? I cannot tell you, said Jenny. But Alfred kept asking, Why do you wear it? And Jenny would say, It is not important. Jenny and Alfred grew up. They fell in love. One day they got married. After their wedding, Alfred said, Now that we are married, you must tell me about the green ribbon. You must wait, said Jenny. I will tell you when the time comes. Years passed. Alfred and Jenny grew old. One day Jenny became very sick. The doctor told her she was dying. Jenny called Alfred to her side. Alfred, she said, Now I can tell you about the green ribbon. Untie it and you will see why I could not tell you before. Slowly and carefully, Alfred untied the ribbon and Jenny's head fell off. Imagine reading that when you're in elementary school and you think it's just going to be about a ghost or something, and it turns out to be that. I apologize for any childhood trauma I might have just reminded you of. Like the rest of Schwartz's scary stories, this one is based on several other earlier works and narratives. There are a lot of them, and the earliest known written version of this story comes to us from Washington Irving, the same author who gave us Rip Van Winkle and The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. In his 1824 story, The Adventure of the German Student, Irving describes a, well, German student, who's come to Paris and who walks among the gloomy streets at night. The story takes place during the French Revolution. You can probably see where this is going. And the student sees the guillotine in the town square, which had been busy with executions just that day, looming over the dark streets. At the foot of the guillotine, the student finds a mysterious woman, one whom he finds instantly alluring. Irving describes her this way, quote, Her face was pale, but of a dazzling fairness, set off by a profusion of raven hair, that hung clustering about it. Her eyes were large and brilliant, with a singular expression, approaching almost wildness. As far as her black dress permitted her shape to be seen, it was one of perfect symmetry. Her whole appearance was highly striking, though she dressed in the simplest style. The only thing approaching to an ornament which she wore was a broad black band around her neck, clasped by diamonds. In the story, the student brings the woman home and pledges her eternal love, promising to be her husband despite not even knowing her name. And he says, hey, this is the French Revolution. The old world has been overturned. We believe in reason and individual liberty now. Our pledge of fealty to one another is as good as any legal or religious marriage. He considers her to be, in that moment, his wife. The next day he goes out, and upon return, sees the following. When he returned, he found a stranger lying with her head, hanging over the bed, one arm thrown over it. He spoke to her, but received no reply. He advanced to awaken her from her uneasy posture. On taking her hand, it was cold. 
There was no pulsation. Her face was pallid and ghastly. In a word, she was a corpse. Horrified and frantic, he alarmed the house. A scene of confusion ensued. The police were summoned. As the officer of the police entered the room, he started back on beholding the corpse. "'Great heaven!' cried he. "'How did this woman come here?' "'Do you know anything about her?' said the student eagerly. "'Do I?' exclaimed the police officer. "'She was guillotined yesterday!' He stepped forward, undid the black collar around the neck of the corpse, and the head rolled on the floor. But, as I mentioned before, this was only the first written instance of the story. There are later versions as well. For instance, in 1851, Alexander Dumas wrote a story called The Woman with the Velvet Necklace. And there has been some confusion between Dumas' story and Washington Irving's story. Washington Irving's story is titled The Adventure of the German Student, but it is often anthologized and mistitled as The Woman with the Velvet Necklace, which is the name of Dumas' story, and they have very similar plots. There is another version, though, that kids in the 20th century might remember. And this is a version from 1970, which comes from a children's book called Ghostly Fun by Anne McGovern. That book included a tale called The Velvet Ribbon. And this version is a little bit longer than Schwartz's, and the ending is pretty gruesome. This might be another version that perhaps you recall if you encountered this story growing up. Quote, why do you always wear that ribbon, he asked. She smiled a strange smile and said not a word. At last her husband got angry, and one night he shouted at his bride, Take that ribbon off! I'm tired of looking at it! You will be sorry if I do, she replied, so I won't. Every morning at breakfast, the husband ordered his wife to remove the black velvet ribbon from around her neck. Every night at dinner, he told her the same thing. But every morning at breakfast and every night at dinner, all his wife would say, You'll be sorry if I do, so I won't. A week had passed. The husband no longer looked into his wife's eyes. He could only stare at that black velvet ribbon around her neck. One night, as his wife lay sleeping, he tiptoed to her sewing basket. He took out a pair of scissors. Quickly and quietly, careful not to awaken her, he bent over his wife's bed and snip went to scissors, and a velvet ribbon fell to the floor, and snap off came her head. It rolled over the floor in the moonlight, wailing tearfully, I told you you'd be sorry. Those are just the big ones. There are many other versions of this story on the internet and in other children's book collections. Sometimes the ribbon is green and sometimes the ribbon is yellow. I guess the black ribbon would have been a bit on the nose. We're not quite sure where this story comes from. We know that Washington Irving didn't make it up. In his journals, he wrote that he was inspired by a French story. So we know that he was working from earlier material, but we have no idea what that material is. There is a perhaps connection in French history, though, between neck ribbons and decapitations. After the restoration of the French Empire and the return of nobles who fled the country, French nobility would often throw what they called victim balls. These were usually for people who had relatives who had been guillotined, and the partygoers at these balls dressed like guillotine victims. 
There was a particular hairstyle that nobles were given before they were guillotined, and cutting your hair in this style was a thing you would do for these parties. Also, wearing a ribbon around your neck to suggest decapitation was popular at these shindigs, and these ribbons were usually bright red, suggesting bloody injury to the neck. Relatives of the beheaded nobility would dance, they would drink, they would debauch, all while wearing finery and hairstyles that mocked the ideals of the revolution, mocked democracy, mocked the inability of people to truly kill off the nobility, and also mocked death itself. And it's really tempting to draw a connection between the French victim balls and the ribbon story, but we don't have any hard evidence to connect those parties with this story. So we can't definitively pin down where this story comes from, but we can talk about why it's powerful, why it's been retold so many times, and why it sticks with people. First off, there is a very big reason why I think this story is powerful to adults, not just kids. The man in the story just can't deal with his wife's past. It tortures him that there's a part of her from before they met that he can't get at and can't see. And in the Alvin Schwartz version of this story, the man is merely curious. But in some other versions of this tale, he gets angry. He gets violent. He forces the ribbon off of his wife with a pair of scissors while she is sleeping. And I think we've all met that guy who just can't get over the idea that his partner has a past or his partner has a life that he's not a part of. Like, you ever seen Clerks? I know I'm dating myself by referencing clerks, but a big part of that movie is that the protagonist, Dante, has sort of a conniption fit that his girlfriend has dated other men. Yeah, and he's a total insecure loser because she's been with guys who are not him. Don't be that guy. But this story kind of plays on those anxieties that I think a lot of dudes have, and non-dudes as well. So there's that. Also, I might be wearing a tinfoil hat here, but the story might be about accidentally marrying a sex worker. I mentioned earlier that ribbons around a neck, that chokers in France, were associated with these fancy victim ball type situations. But in France in the 1800s and earlier, chokers were also symbols of being a sex worker. For instance, there is a famous painting by Manet called Olympia. It debuted in 1863, and it was extremely shocking and controversial when it came out. Not because it was a painting of a naked woman, there were lots of those, but previously a lot of female nudes were portrayed as Venus, or mythological, or noble, or that kind of thing. Manet's painting is very specifically of a sex worker. She is posed, like previous Venus-style paintings, but we know she's a sex worker because she is wearing a ribbon around her neck. And this painting was shocking to people in France in the 1860s because Manet painted a sex worker in the way that previous painters had painted Venus. So the ribbon story might be about a guy who marries a former sex worker, finds out about her past, and then is just absolutely horrified that she has had sex for money. So there's that. But there are some other things as well. In Schwartz's version, 
the guy doesn't get angry or violent. In fact, his wife tells him to take the ribbon off. And in that story, Jenny basically kills herself using her husband as an accessory to suicide. That is not something that he asked to do. He didn't sign up to kill the woman he loved, but he ended up doing it anyway. And at the end of the story, he finds out that the only way his curiosity can be satisfied is by killing his wife. I wonder if Schwartz changed the story to make it more consensual, to make the male protagonist less of an insecure creeper and more of a guy who just wanted to know why his wife always wears this ribbon all the time, no matter what. But in changing the ending so he doesn't find her a corpse or he doesn't violently remove it, he almost makes it even more creepy as he slowly takes the ribbon off on her deathbed. And Jenny knows that she's going to die, and he doesn't. And then her head rolls off her shoulders. But it's also always scary to realize that something frightening has been with you the whole time, and you just didn't see it. Like, there are lots of stories about waking up to find that the hotel mattress you slept on has a dead body inside. Or imagine being at a banquet that you're really enjoying and having a good time at, only to realize halfway through your meal that what you've been enjoying is human flesh. Yes, that is a scene in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and it is one of the few actual real scares in that movie. Or, to make another movie reference, you realize that you are actually a ghost and that you've been dead the whole time. That kid who sees dead people sees you. There's kind of a delicious horror that only comes with that kind of retrospective realization that the macabre has been with you the whole time. It's been a part of you. You haven't been safe. You haven't been secure. There is no running from death because death has been around you and with you all this time and you need to accept it. But like many works of fiction, this whole story could be solved with good communication, and people being really cool about stuff. So, given that I've probably re-traumatized a whole bunch of you, by doing an episode about the story, I want to give you a gift. I want to do my own retelling of the story of the ribbon, as enacted by me and by Sarah. Here is another way that tale could have ended, and it's a better situation for all concerned. So we know each other pretty well now. Well, yeah, we're married. I've got to ask. Is it about the ribbon? It's about the ribbon. Why is it a big deal to you? What's with you and needing to know about the ribbon? Well, you, you always wear it. So you wear the same jacket every day. Yes, I, I do that. But I don't wear my jacket in the shower or during sex. Well, if you want to wear your jacket during sex, that's okay. I mean, whatever you need to get there. You know, thank you. I actually really appreciate it. This is not about my jacket, though. This is about the ribbon. Yeah. Okay. Okay? Yeah. We're married and stuff, and we should trust each other, but I want you to know that me telling you this is a pretty big deal. Okay. Are you sure you want to know? Yeah, it's it's okay. Like, I mean, whatever. I'm, it's are I'm not you judge you? Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. 
this ribbon keeps my head on. What? If I take the ribbon off, my head will fall off. But as long as I keep the ribbon on, it's fine. That's why I wear it in the shower and stuff. Wait. What? I asked you if you were sure. But it's not like your head is wobbly. I mean, we make out all the time and your neck, like, feels normal, like... Yeah, that's because of the ribbon. Okay, so it's like a magic ribbon. That's right. My neck is fine as long as it's on. Okay. Um, so are you a zombie? I mean, we've known each other for a long time. and We've both gotten older and undead creatures don't usually age. And... I'm not a zombie. I'm, I'm something else. It's, it's a whole thing. Why did you wait so long to tell me? Well, I wanted to make sure you'd be cool about it. Okay. Like, thank you. I mean, I feel like this is something we could have talked about before we got married. But, you know, we're talking now. And, yeah. Okay, so... Have you ever had that conversation that you keep putting off because you know that bringing it up would be super weird? Well, this was one of those. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I get that. Like, I have a lot of emails that I haven't answered yet that are kind of like that. Thank you for trusting me enough to tell me this. Like, that means a lot. You're welcome. I... Love you, my somewhat headless ribbon-wearing wife. And I love you, my perfectly normal human husband. <laughs> I think we got it! Okay. <laughs> thank you very much to Sarah for lending her talent to this episode as a voice actor. And also thank you for supporting the podcast. We transition to a membership model. As a thank you, I have bonus content for members. Go over to weirdhistorypodcast.com, sign up for membership, and get that. We are on social media. I am on Twitter, at Joe Streckert. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash weirdhistorypodcast. We are on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and various other podcatchers. Please rate and review the show. That helps other people find it. Thank you all for listening. I hope you've all had a wonderful October. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, I hope you have a most excellent Halloween. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.